0: And now a word from our sponsors. All right, V, what's going on, my man? How you feeling today, brother? I am exhausted. Uh,
1: Last night's Laker game was crazy. Um, That that went down to the wire when I thought it wouldn't go down to the wire. And then I had to stay up a little bit later to watch the other Los Angeles team because the NBA schedule makers are insane and decided to play two primetime games at the same time and then only stagger them by 30 minutes. So I... I'm exhausted, but I'm, I'm glad that the Lakers got the win.
0: Let's just start there. What was the NBA thinking by putting Luka Doncic, Kawhi Leonard? I know that's only the headliners I'm going to talk about over there. And then LeBron James and Chris Paul and Devin Booker and Anthony Davis all on the same night within 30 minutes of each other. Somebody had to at least like saw after the schedule was released and was like, ah, shit. Yeah,
1: yeah, that, that I, one
0: wasn't
1: I th- good. I thought that was psychotic. I was just like, why would you do, like, these are, you know, it's a 4-5 team, and then obviously two sevens. It's We know it's going to be competitive because the Lakers are healthy, more healthy than they have been all season. So I was like, but clearly, like, the 4-5 matchup is much closer than people realize. Right. And I was just like, why would you do this? And then on top of that, it's not like they had equal amounts of days of rest. I, I know that they staggered differently for different series, but I was just like, you should have just had just the Lakers and then maybe put, you know, swap out that Denver-Portland or the the Utah-Grizzlies matchup. Like, I don't know what they were thinking, but, I mean, I know it. my time – I don't know about your Twitter timeline, but my Twitter timeline was tuned in to both of those games. You know, Laker fans, Clipper fans, non-Laker fans, non-Clipper fans, everybody was fully invested. The Nets fans that watched that game earlier in the day, the Celtics fans that watched their team get bodied again. uh, Good times. Earlier in the day, you know, like, everybody was watching those games. So, um Hey man, I'll, this kid Luca is prime time. Like he's he's putting on a show.
0: I, I don't I don't know where to begin when talking about Luca Doncic and what he is doing. Like I guess he was for real when he said that overseas basketball was harder than the NBA because he is doing trick shots the, <laughs> out there on the court against all NBA defenders, defensive players of the year candidates, right? Like I'm a little concerned that at this age, what Lucas 22. 22. 22. He is not even scratching the surface of his prime. Like, trying to imagine a Luka Doncic at 27, 28. What what the hell is that? Is that white LeBron without the athleticism? (laughs) Look, I can't even say that because he caught a body yesterday. That was the most smooth. Like, it reminded me of a D'Angelo Russell dunk where it's just like it's it's (laughs) barely getting over and there just so happens to be somebody in the way, so it counts as a body, but I. I don't know, man. Where, where? How many years until this is Luca's league? V. I,
1: you know, um, I would say he, even even in terms of just like pure, he, he's not a guy who's like physically imposing, right? So he's not like LeBron. So it's like hard to say that like he'll dominate the same way that like those like like Kevin Durant's like a six ten shooting guard, right? So right. he dominates a different type of way. LeBron, you know, when he's healthy, is like an anomaly, right? Like he, he's crazy athlete even at the age of 35, 36, all that sort of stuff. So, like, Luca's way of domination is – and it, it, it isn't the same way that we think of domination. To, it's like Jokic, like when we watch Jokic, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I drew this comparison last night. Like, these guys are doing it with their brain. You know, like, they, they got all this skill. And I don't think there's – I don't think there's a time frame for, like, when – I think he's dominating now. Like, you see too. the way he's controlling entire <laughs> games. Right. Like, we haven't seen – you know – it's one thing to control games in a regular season. Maybe certain matchups go your way, certain matches don't. But now he's starting to control an entire
0: series. Like, even last year, when and now you're seeing it again. Dave, we, last year we said, you know, it's unfortunate that Porzingis got hurt. Because honestly, it looked like Luka was giving it to them boys. And then, like, his ankle or whatever. He was getting beat, yeah. <laughs> beat the hell out of, too, last, uh, yeah. last year in the bubble. But his development just from... All right, I'm the I'm the rookie that everybody thought was an overpick that got traded yeah. for Trey Young, and you know, let, let's call a spade a spade. He had the European player stench on him yes. about yes. can he can he hoop in the league though? Yeah. Like it's one thing dominating in Spain and yeah. Euroleague ball, but can you do it against guys that that breathe this in, from the inner cities? And, st- and the answer is yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basketball, it don't it don't really matter where you're from. It yeah. don't matter your upbringing. Can you hoop and were you around hoopers your entire life? And for Luca to be playing pro ball, what, since 16? Yeah, that's- yeah.
1: He's young for, from, you know, that that's, I mean, as a Laker fan, that's something that we always talk about when we talk about guys like Kobe. Like Kobe's dad was a professional athlete uh, overseas. His son was exposed to basketball at a young age. He was playing with uh, higher level adult competition when he mm. was a teenager, and we know that Luca's done the same thing too as well. And so, like, like we see this trend, right? Like, I mean, even in the states with AAU and stuff like that, you see people, uh, you see parents trying to get their young kids to play with older people, uh, older athletes and stuff like that in camps, all the time, um, all the open runs and stuff like that, so they get that experience. But like, you're seeing that translate, that maturity already be there for Luca, and it's crazy because. Porzingis is not even playing great, like great. No. Like he's not playing very. Like the first game, he was not good at all, and the second game, he was slightly better, but I would say he was probably still average. But Luka's still carrying this team. Like last night, man, every time the Clippers scored, they, Dallas had an answer, whether it was Luca or Luca setting somebody up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was, I thought that was pretty crazy to see. Um, but I, I, I will say this: you see guys like Braun, you see guys like Giannis, you see, and you know Braun is the old guard, right? Right. So you got guys like you got Giannis, you got Jokic, you got Luka, you've got Trey Young. There is an incoming generation of creators, you know, like uh, like like Harden, another creator. There's an incoming generation of creators that are, are going to eventually come in or are already here mm-hmm. that are just amazing with the basketball. Like whether whether it's a pass they make, a decision they make, or even if it's just scoring on the ball itself like this stuff is good for the game, man. Like it's, it's no more, it's, it's, we love the athletes. We love the high flying acts, but I can't say that I don't enjoy like he's dropping like teardot floaters, like out of everybody's reach. It's
0: like, come on, man. Like like Kyle Anderson being able to hoop and get his shots in today's league. That's just a testament to like, where's your brain at? right? Where is your knowledge of your teammates and how they are moving in the confines of your offense? And then what moves do you just know waking up in the morning, going to sleep at night is a bucket. That's what I feel like Luca has down pat. And that's, I think, obviously a a difference that you see with folks who rely on athleticism. Mm -hmm. That's going to get, that's going to have you dominate high school and college ball. That's Mm going to get you drafted into the NBA. And then you look around And everybody is just as athletic as you. Yes. Yes. They also have a left hand. Oh, yeah, they also have a step back three, right? And then you look at how LeBron approached the game and how he came through as the Non scorer, score, and yeah. look how beautiful this game is to the younger generation, right? LeBron isn't the first of I'm setting the table as my primary thing, he's not even the first to be that size and do it. Shout out Magic Johnson, yeah. But yep. the you look at Ben Simmons, you look at Luka Doncic. I don't know, I, I think Jokic's influence had a lot more to do with his home, you know, schooling. Yeah, when he, he played, came yeah. up, you are you big in Europe, you gonna know how to pass the basketball, yeah. ideally, but the how it that string of facilitation and creativity through brains and using intelligent basketball IQ? That's probably one of the most enjoyable things that I'm seeing in this new generation. It gets a little, it gets a little annoying when you dip into sometimes the Trey Youngs of the world, where they know exactly <laughs> how to use the basketball uh, court. Players, pieces, all to his advantage. But uh, I mean, you see it a little bit in Luca too. He, he'll twerk for some free throws as oh, well. Yeah. But,
1: I mean, but, but you have to look at the way the refs are calling. All right. It's, I mean, we, we were talking about Luca. We're talking about the Clippers, right? Now we're talking about Trey Young. And now, like, now we're talking a little bit about, like, you know, just you know, twerking for fouls and, yeah. and, and foul baiting and stuff like that. But let, let's think about it. Let's think about why they have to do that, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and the, no perfect, no better example than, than the guy that's on the Lakers, right? We, see, we have seen LeBron for 18 years run to the rim over and over and over again. As he was younger, he had that first step on guys and he would always beat them to the rim. And all that's happened throughout his career is he is getting hammered harder and harder and harder as it goes on. And, it, and you know at sometimes it's been to the point where like he will sometimes maybe be like, all right, maybe I'm not going to drive this time. Instead of driving 10 times a game, I'm going to drive 8 times a game. And the evolution of Braun, and one of the things that I think I think when LeBron retires, we'll look at this much more fondly, uh, the same way that we looked at Kobe as he grew and he matured as a player. That LeBron has added stuff to his bag uh, and, and added stuff to the way that he plays. That that's more skill oriented is what I think what, what people would say. That game last night, I thought I thought the Suns were going to be right in there. I thought it was going to be like a one possession game all the way until the end of the game. Right. And then you know you see like LeBron set up the post, he, he hits that fadeaway jumper um anthony davis a guy that everybody's screaming run go to the rim run to the rim collide with the guy and sometimes and look deandre ayton was doing a good job playing defense like he's keeping his body there he's trying to do it without fouling um ad did get a lot of fouls but like you see ad step out schroeder sets him up calmly drains a three like those are two clutch back-to-back bus buckets and that is contrary to like what we think the game is always supposed to be. We always think to ourselves, oh, you just got to go to the rim. There are times you got to go to the rim and times you got to do what the defense gives you. Is there four guys sitting in the paint? That's probably not going to call a foul. He's probably be like, look, man, you're going one on four. That's your problem, not mine. So you got to make those jumpers. And I think, I think fans are, are getting, you know, fans are, are eventually, I hope when they see these young guys and they see the old guys and you see guys like LeBron expand their games. You see guys like AD expand their games, not just back to the basket. Now they're facing you up and stuff like that. I think they'll start to learn to appreciate how how uh rare it is, um, at least in the Lakers case, that we have two guys that can play both back to the basket and they can play face up. And they can be like, you know, I, I saw some um uh, infographic that said like after a team loses in the playoffs, this is how many points, you know, what are the highest points per game a person averages? And LeBron 80 average, like close to 30 a game after a loss yeah. in a playoff loss. And I was like, that's crazy. You know what I mean? Like that's, a, that's, that's what, that's what a bounce back looks like. And so um, it's, it's the game's in a good place, bro. I, I I think the game is in a really good place. Uh, I, I like the young guys that are in the league. Um, I'm hoping that the pendulum will swing in national media conversations and we'll stop talking about Man. Bron and Steph only and anti-Bron and, Pro Lakers, anti Lakers. I hope we and start. LeBron rooting. worried
0: about his legacy after dropping? Yeah, yeah, Moore
1: man. Like every who night, who is asking for this. Yeah, every every game got to be a legacy game. Every time somebody loses, like come on, man. Like let's enjoy the games, you know. Like Trey Young went to Madison Square Garden in his opening, his first playoff game ever, and got f you, Trey Young. Chance, bro. Like
0: that's what it's about. Yeah, that's man. what like, we're you know here he, for.
1: And then he <laughs> shut him up. Like that's that's I don't know. I, we're not in the gym so we can't say it but it's like i'm trying to like when i saw that happen i, I watched that game when i saw them win it i, I took a step back and I, I, I was thinking i was like man when's the last time i seen somebody do something like this right mm-hmm. and um i actually had to think about um uh, like when like kobe took over that that indiana in the finals against indiana and stuff like that. Yeah. shack files out and kobe he drains that jumper and he puts it yeah you, you're doing it they can't see you on the camera but you know, he puts yeah he he's like say like, relax relax like i was just like these are moments that these kind of kids, you know, they live for. I was actually thinking of mm-hmm. another example, uh, an Atlanta example. I, I mean, I know you watch football, but, like, when Michael Vick was in Atlanta uh, and they had to go to Lambo and they had to beat, like, Brett Favre and Lambo or yeah. something like that, and yep. nobody had beaten – nobody had beaten – like, it was, like, impossible to beat them in the snow. And Michael, Van, Michael Vick went there and just started throwing lasers all over everybody. No, that was like, crazy. Oh, shit, this guy's for real, bro. Like, Michael Vick's crazy. Like, those kind of – that kind of stuff is, like, historical. And mm-hmm. I, I think the league's in a good place, man. And I think, I think this is, we are watching some great, great basketball right now, man. This is, and I love that the fans could be a part of it. It's so good.
0: No, yeah. And that's facts. I'm the Staples got to you got to open up a little <laughs> bit, baby. 30%, 35%. That ain't enough. That's enough to get the first 12 celebrities in and their entourage. Like, come on now. I had mean, we don't, we really don't want
1: to, <laughs> I don't want to make fun of the Clippers, man, but like, we really don't want cardboard
0: cutouts, bro. We don't need that. The Staples Center would be packed tomorrow. The Clippers would still have a 200-level cardboard cutout section. It's the truth. Since we're on the topic of LeBron and, you know, how the changing of the guard is coming across, there's still business that uh, uh, Mr. Mr. LeBron James has at hand, along with his counterpart, Anthony Davis, and the rest of the Los Angeles Lakers. They're tied up. 1-1 with the Phoenix Suns um you know I think maybe five percent of Lakers nation was should have been surprised by a game one loss um mm-hmm. I I think these things actually happen if the Lakers would have won game one people would have had their brooms out because it would have gotten uglier for them. so yep. I think the time between game one and game two where we all had Time to just sit and watch and you know, <laughs> analyze and overanalyze. And I'm not going to lie. I felt victim. I don't even want to call fall victim. I saw what I saw. I felt how I felt. I said what I said. <laughs> I need to know just, you know, on uh, the name of the show for the folks who haven't heard it already. It, it's called And Now a Word from Our Sponsor. So I need to ask from one of my sponsors, mm-hmm. what do you make of the game one to game two adjustment?
1: I think there was, um, there was a lot of different small changes that paid, that had, that paid big dividends uh, from game one to game two. I think the most common thing, and I think a lot of folks on Lakers Twitter were, you know, they were saying like, Anthony Davis has got to be, Anthony Davis himself said, I got to play better. We're not winning a single game in the series if I play like I did in game one. And he's right. Like, you can't you can't play the way that he did a game one and expect to win anything, Uh, you know, unless your role players shoot like 80%, uh, you know, from three or something like that in that game, some, some outlier like that. So I think that first and foremost was a big thing. And I think, I think, you know, one thing that I, I thought the Lakers did last year, which seems to kind of have shifted, or maybe we just haven't seen it yet is that this team feeds a lot off of Anthony Davis's energy more than maybe they do LeBron's energy. Um, and that's not to say that LeBron is less impactful. I think they just know what they get with LeBron, mm-hmm. and when they see Anthony Davis struggle, um, it impacts the role guys a little bit more. And so, like you should already know where this is going to lead. Like that's and so when I mentioned that Anthony Davis playing better, it's also no surprise that Andre Drummond also played better as well. It, it was seemed a miracle. like miracle.
0: Yeah. <laughs> It who like- knows? Best buds came together. The the bigger one, figuratively, played better, and then the little one followed suit. It, it's beautiful. It was beautiful. I really enjoyed Andre Drummond yesterday. You know, Vinay, I have, I have, I have <laughs> tempered my comments about Drum probably like five games into his Lakers stint because I was like, I'm going to be seen as a slanderer, and I don't want to do it to Buddy. But you're absolutely right. Anthony Davis was a linchpin for Andre Drummond playing better, and then voila. Having two bigs on the court didn't seem like such a train wreck before. Right.
1: Yeah. And, and, and you know, um, Andre Drummond and, you know, this is I think my 95 percent of the issue with Andre Drummond, at least on the offensive end, is him just finishing simple plays like and, and, and when we compare this to what was going on last year um, with JaVale in that role with uh, Dwight in that role, they were finishing everything with dunks. If it wasn't a lob for a dunk, they get a deep paint post or something like that. They finish it with a layup or a dunk. The, literally, if Andre Drummond finishes his layup attempts with either dunks or if he just makes them, um, their Lakers are getting him really, really good looks. If he makes them, the Lakers are winning these games. It, it, there's no Handily, question about man. what's happening. Yeah, no real question about what's happening. And eventually the teams have to help out because he is a good offensive rebound. He's a good rebounder. So I'm not going to say that he's not uh, effective on that end but that like the the uh the energy the effort from both of those guys both 80s 82 and 83 like that needs to happen like that needs to be consistent if the lakers are going to win they can't pick and choose what it is so maybe maybe anthony davis thought that all right game one's gonna be a warm-up game for me i get my legs back underneath me and, and see how these teams are defending me
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh phoenix defended them the same way they, they didn't. They wanted to press Anthony Davis as far away from the rim. You right. see, Jay Crowder getting right into right into the numbers on the front of his shirt. Right, under, you know, getting into his stance. They don't want him to drive. Um, and this time he adjusted, right? He tried to go around him. He did all that different stuff. So I think first and foremost, your original question is like, what was the difference? I think their effort level, not just Anthony Davis, but Andre Drummond's effort level was significantly better. He was better on. Uh, yeah, he was he was just better in general. The other thing I think schematically that the Lakers did better uh was a um they stopped dropping back on all those pick and rolls for Devin Booker so we stopped oh, letting them take all these wide open jumpers on us and stuff like that right. and then I think the other thing that was also different that they did defensively is they got to I, I thought they were winning they were getting to every 50-50 ball uh, in game two and game one I, I thought they didn't get to a single 50-50 one. ball yeah nope and so um I think the crazy part is we still shot like garbage uh, from three. Our role players did. Um, and so the game ended up being closer. But we got – our role players contributing. They, they won the matchups that they're supposed to win. Like Dennis Schroeder should be winning the matchup against Cameron Payne. You know what I mean? Andre Drummond should be winning the matchup against Dario Saric, right? Like they, we they shouldn't be countering each other out. Right. And so that, that sort of stuff is what matters. And um, if LeBron is – you know, still a little hampered because of his ankle. He doesn't have that first step. He needs – I mean, I think he said that before the series started. He hopes that there's a lot more games so then that, that way he can kind of get his ankle back into shape, get his conditioning right. If if that's going to be – if LeBron's not going to be like the 100% LeBron or the attacking every play LeBron, that's what we need. We need these other guys to step up. These small 50-50 plays, we got to win these plays because if we don't win them, mm-hmm. then these series is going to go on longer and longer.
0: We got – we, we got a Mark Gasol sighting yeah. yesterday. <laughs> I, I think that deserves, you know, a, a round of applause, a pat on the back to Frank, because the fa- <laughs> hey, guys, we would step back before that. The fact that the man says, I'm not disclosing my starting lineup yeah. and then sends out the same goddamn starting lineup. It's like, dude, I feel like you've watched one and a half mob movies, Frank, and then you just decide I'm about this, is how I'm a move. I'm gonna be, you know, I'm gonna be exclusive. They ain't gonna know what hit them. And then you just hey, do you, the same thing every time.
1: You know what? I bet you I bet you Frank has uh everybody's phones tapped, everybody's social media tapped or something like that and <laughs> right. he's like, "Man, if I release this, Andre Drummond's gonna get a bunch of messages saying he's a bum or something like." That. No, <laughs> and he for doesn't want to
0: do that. It's, it's about a- damn time. Yeah, no, I mean the the, Frank's interview seemed like it was in an undisclosed location in his hotel room. Like, it was like, this man could be not more secretive to just do the same thing. But with that being said, we clearly saw an impact that Gasol had to the overall flow of the game. Now, was he barbecue chicken a few times (laughs) (laughs) to Devin Booker? Absolutely. To Kevin, uh, to campaign. Yeah. Which really was like, I'm not looking, I'm not looking, but Talk to me just about what difference you think Gasol made in game two to the overall flow of the Lakers, yeah. offense and defense.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, offensively, it, it's it's the same story that we've seen all regular season, right? Mark stands up at the top of the three-point line. He'll hit a couple threes. I think he hit like two of them yesterday. He'll make a couple open passes if somebody makes a good cut or something like that. Um, and, you know, it, he, he does exactly what it is. He's a high IQ passer uh, who can hit the occasional open three and he knows his limits he won't try to go beyond his limits he's actually a really really good defender but he's not a good defender if the guy that he's guarding is like two feet shorter than him and like 100 miles faster than two so like the, the expectation of him getting beat off the hip um drummond was probably better at dealing with that because he's got good lateral movement um but it's okay uh, i understand that we were giving that up to some degree but yeah, we really right. didn't want we didn't want phoenix to get loose from three because that was what that's where they hurt us the most they were there hitting a whole bunch of open threes. And even when they were making comebacks, uh, I think the Lakers went up like 15. And then to close the end of the second quarter, like going into the half, like Cam Johnson gets two wide open threes, like automatically it gets cut to a single digit lead. So right. like stuff like that, um, it'll happen. And and Frank and Vogel, he's got to be real quick with some of those adjustments and getting his guys on, on guard. But for the most part, I thought uh, Gasol allowing the, you know, the other thing he also does is this when Gasol's on the perimeter Andy Davis has no choice but to go to the interior that's the truth. no option at all like he can't turn around
0: yesterday V and I just like I just see open swim lanes, just 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 wide open like someone did braided their hair and did a braid out you could just see the tracks (laughs) in the court and that's exactly what you're saying I'll let you keep going but like seeing Mark camped at the three-point yeah. line. And, yeah. you know, there, one of his threes where he was a, a stripper shaking out there, trying to get his foot in place. Still drained it, though. Walked away. So as soon as that, he let it fly. Yep, That's. Yep that impact right Anthony Davis is not a three-point shooter when Marcus Saul is exclusively a three-point shooter
1: yeah he he Marcus Hall is taking away Anthony Davis's real estate so if you want to like you know like you do it with kids right like when you don't want your kid when you want your kids only to have two like like two choices or one choice you like remove all the other options well yep. Anthony Davis had no option but to go into the interior because nobody else was there so he like if he doesn't do it then we're gonna start pulling his film and being like look you got all this room bro like what are you doing like when you've got all the space that you need. And I thought I thought, um, Mark, you know, being out there, it also allowed Schroeder to get loose. Like Schroeder was mm-hmm. like doing a lot of work. He was getting to the rim a lot. Uh, he had a good game one. I thought he had an even better game two. Hey, shout out
0: Dennis. He's yeah. doing his thing. You know, I don't know if this is his campaign for the big bag, but yeah. he, he's playing good when he should be playing good for the Lakers. Yeah.
1: His, his, I think the biggest thing with Denver that that's been, or not Denver uh, Dennis, that's been the thing that he has to keep doing. He's been trying to make plays for his teammates instead of looking to score. Yeah. Uh, and he needs to change the way he does that. He needs to look to score. And if a play opens up organically for him, uh, for his team to make a play for his teammates then he should do that and i think i know he wants to be paid like a starting point guard that's why he wants that 20 25 million stuff like that. but he needs to understand that he's a scoring point guard and not a playmaking point guard if that it, makes that's sense. the truth yeah it, and so it, it, there's it, nothing wrong with that there's a lot of players in the league a lot of point guards in the league where scoring is what they do best and then like Kyrie's a perfect example right you know like Kyrie absolutely. can score in abundance but if Kyrie starts seeing doubles when he gets to the rim, he's going to find the open guy that he needs to find. And, and I think Dennis needs to approach it that way. Um, and so I'm, I'm hoping he, he starts doing that a little bit more uh, as the series goes on and as the playoffs go on.
0: You, you made me think about this then. The, when it, Dennis is the scoring guard. And what was the whole thing at the beginning of the season with Dennis like saying, hey, I'm a starter, right? And yes. everybody was like, whoa, 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 whoa. We need a facilitator in the second unit buddy like yeah. no get your ass to the bench come off the bench <laughs> yeah organize stuff we watched the full year of tape dennis is much better when he is attacking the rim yes making his his trick shot layups you know and and by keyword making them because yes. <laughs> there's times where he's just as frustrating finishing uh, as well in his carelessness with the ball but i'd mm-hmm. rather see him attacking so andre drummond can do what andre drummond does and that's offensive rebound right instead of trying to feed drummond on an iso post-possession when lebron james and anthony davis are also on the court like i'm all about andre you know the big dog's got to eat when he feels like he has a matchup but we're doing percentages buddy if you unless you have a, a mouse in the house Pass it to one of the superstars or let Dennis feed you off the rebound. Yep. A Kobe assist, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I think that's a perfect description. That's what happened, I would say, at the beginning of the – I'd say at the beginning of the second half, Dennis went on, like, a scoring spree, and, and Braun and AD were kind of like – I tweeted about it. Like, they were not really trying to score. They are just playing defense, running, doing cardio. Uh, and Dennis and Booker were going back and forth, trying to score every single play. And I thought that was – I actually thought that was perfect. I was like, all right, that's their lead guy trying to match – like our scoring guard. Now, Braun and AD will have, you know, they'll have legs for the fourth or they'll have yep. legs to, to carry us home. And they did to some degree. You know, they closed the game out for us. So, like, I see, the thing with Braun is I, I never know if Braun actually says that. You know, like we saw, uh, and I was curious about your opinion. Like, we saw Braun go up to KCP when KCP passed, passed to that, like Schroeder wasn't ready to take that corner three off, mm-hmm. off that Braun pass in the fourth, right? And Braun went right to KCP and he said, you know, what are you doing? Like, take that shot. Like, even though KCP hadn't been shooting well. And I don't know if that's what Bron does. That's always been the thing that I've always wondered about. Like, does Bron go up to Schroeder shoulder and say, look, or does he go up to his team and say, look, my ankle is 80%. I, I can't cut the way that I really want to. Um, or maybe if, if he has a lot of pride, he won't say it to nobody. He, he's hoping that somebody will realize it. But a part of me kind of hopes that, like, Bron goes to a guy like Dennis and says, look, I'm here. You know, like – we, if we need a bucket, we, it's clutch, whatever, like I'm here to do it, but I need you guys to help me because I can't cut the way that I normally do right now. And I feel like if he told that to these guys, they would all be like, Oh shit. All right, let's go. Like,
0: they have no choice because LeBron, I feel like is more passive with these types of situations. It is up to you to realize, okay, maybe that these are signs that I should be more aggressive in the next game. You know, he's been a long time since he was passive aggressive tweets LeBron with Kevin love. But I think to your point, the being more upfront, that's, that's my type of player, right? That's my type of way I'd like to be in coach. Like, tell me what you need me to do. Let's get it going. And you know how I want my marriage to go as well. (laughs) Like I would like, you know, but I think the way LeBron has just operated is in the reason why he has this game one feel out, you know, of, um, a character is because he wants to see what dogs he has around him for the series mm-hmm. and what dogs they have on the other side. Well, the saying Magneto said uh, he was like uh, the in chess, the pawns go first and right. that's, you know, and I'm just like, not to say like everybody else, it needs to prove it before LeBron does, but we got 17 years to take to know yeah. what LeBron's about to do. Let's just see what Dennis has. Let's see what Drummond has. Let's see what Anthony MF and Davis has yeah. to start this series. Cause I, I think when we, when LeBron knows what players he has in peace, he knows what LeBron he needs to be.
1: Yeah. It, so, LeBron, so I,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. So I was gonna say, I have a question for you, right? Like that, that moment happened yesterday where, Bron, like it's a nationally televised game and everybody's watching it. Everybody's tweeting about it when he does it. Bron goes in and like, oh man, he's chewing out KCP. Clearly, he was not chewing him out. He was just trying to big him up, build his confidence up, because you know it was obvious that KCP didn't want to shoot. But do you think that? And this is my thought. I think this will happen. But do you think that Braun going up there and being so demonstrative in front of his own teammates and KCP? I think he, you know. KCP is like 25, or so he's like 10 years younger than Braun. So he's like, I think he little bros like KCP a little bit to some sure. degree. And KCP's KCP will take that criticism or that uh, that tough love from Braun um, constructively. Do you think that permeates? Like, do you think that that'll affect everybody else? Everybody else, like you know, Kuzma didn't look so great. Uh, Tht looked completely out of sorts. You know, like, do you think do you think the role players will respond to Braun, like you know barking at everybody, being like, hey, like we're playing basketball, like we're playing playoff basketball. We're not passing up open shots because we're scared. Um, do you think that would make a difference in, in games three and game four? I think,
0: I think it'll obviously you will see uh, a flame throwing KCP, whether he hits him or not. I, we know he's, he ain't go, he's not going to pass. Right. Law of averages says KCP's got a nice game on the horizon. I look around though, you know, and I look at guys like Wes Matthews. This ain't his first rodeo. You're letting that thing go, right? You don't have to ask him. You look at guys, you know, but then you look at guys like Kyle Kuzma. Kuz is just not like he is just he is dejected from the flow of the game. And what I'm struggling with is really pinpointing what changed between the regular season and the playoffs where he is acting like a different player where when he gets an offensive rebound now, I'm like there's the kuzma that we right. saw before where the hell did that guy go i think is not a oh lebron you know chewing out kcp i need to pick it up too it's more so like is there anything schematically that changed in kuz's role where he is now a less effective basketball player what you think
1: no nah, man i i you know I, I honestly think it's the fans i mean the, the, i, I tweeted about it earlier today i was uh you know this is the first time Caruso will be playing in a hostile environment uh, with fans there. Like, Remember, their, mm-hmm. their first playoff runs were last year where there were no fans. It was just playing basketball. So you could focus. There's no pressure. Nobody yelling at you. Nobody calling you names. Or in Kyrie's case, when he talks about Boston, no no subtle racism that's Woo. being passed on. Okay, right up with it. <laughs> um, same thing for Kuz. KCP's got four playoff games prior to last year. Um, and that was with, like, I think they got swept by the Bucks or something like that when he was mm-hmm. playing for the Pistons. So for those three guys who are core parts of our rotation, they've never played in hostile environments ever. And this would really be the first time. And when I say it's not just hostile environments, you're in hostile environments in a Laker jersey playing next to LeBron James right right after winning a championship. So this is, you know, you know what I mean? Like everybody's looking at you, looking at you funny, no matter what you do. And so, but you see guys like Gasol unfazed when he hits those threes. You see guys like Dennis who played up to a game seven last year uh, next to Chris Paul. And he, he calls Chris Paul like one of his, the guys that he models his game after mm-hmm. like he's unfazed to some degree, Braun AD unfazed drum in game one looks like he was phased, but then he got, you know, he got it together in game two. So it's like, you see all of that and, and then you think to yourself, okay, maybe these fans, you know, like maybe, maybe the fans actually do have a, a level of pressure and impact uh, on an, on role players at least. So I, what I'm keeping yeah, my fingers crossed. Yeah. Is that, is that when they, when these guys come home to Staples, they get showered with positivity and mm-hmm. positive sentiment and love and good basketball energy. And, and we see, we see the versions of them that are closer to the regular season, but it's also something to keep an eye on when the Lakers go on the road. Like how much, is, how much do the fans affect him? Next round is going to be more hostile all the way up until they, they carry a championship again.
0: That's fact. Hey, hey. <laughs> Shoot, Portland has one of the most hostile oh, yes. arenas in the NBA, and the fact that they still are at zero per, uh, capacity is like, uh like I feel you, <laughs> I feel you. But you know, at least give some t- free tickets, tickets for the vaccinated. Like <laughs> you got to at least do something there. Hey, real quick, V, I um I, I wanted to get your thoughts, man. I'm watching, I'm watching that Brooklyn game, brother. Mm-hmm. I'm watching. James Harden come off the bench. I think he started the second half. I'm watching James Harden come off the bench and absolutely just flamethrower. Everybody. I'm yeah. watching Joe Harris make every wide open three he has ever seen in his life. <laughs> yeah. I am watching Kevin Durant put maybe 60% of his full effort right. on the court. Yeah. And I'm seeing Kyrie Irving go after offensive and defensive rebounds. That. I <laughs> I'm not saying that this Celtics series is, is proving the strength of the mm-hmm. Nets when they're fully healthy. I just got to know, when looking at next round, because, you know, do you agree that this is probably a Bucks series over the Heat right now? Or do you think Yeah, that, yeah. I, okay. I,
1: I mean, I, I would be very surprised if the Heat won. Um, You know, the Bucks have made – the moves that the Bucks made in the offseason were to improve their chances in the playoffs. It wasn't a regular – you know, like, they're not – when you win 60 games in the regular season, how many more games are you really going to win? So when people right. are like, oh, yeah, they're worse. They didn't win as many games. Like, bro, they won 60 games or 50, however many they won. So I, th- I think the Bucks are probably – the Heat are just too injured, man. Not having Oladipo was huge for that team. hmm No, so. no.
0: And, you know, hey, ever, you know, you, you got Bam acting like he can't hit his his middies mm-hmm. anymore. It's, it's a whole – that's a team that – Whatever the the curse is for championship teams that don't, that lose in the finals, losing the finals, losing the Super Bowl, lose, you know, Stanley Cup, a fall off to some degree isn't too unexpected, right? So I look at, uh, excuse me, I look at Brooklyn and then I look at Milwaukee and I'm, those are two big, big dogs, right? Mm-hmm. They're about to fight it out, you know, in, in the second round, where do you as far as who has the edge going into a series like that where I if I can answer real quick I think the edge lies with Kevin Durant because he is you know he has been the furthest I mean obviously Kyrie's won it right but Kevin Durant has been 1A on a championship team and nobody on the Bucs necessarily has so where, where where do you fall as far as who has the advantage in a matchup in the second round
1: yeah, so uh, I mean, first and foremost, uh, when the Bucks traded for Drew, um, even before, and then they got like Bobby Portis and Brent Forbes, all these guys, I actually had they were actually my pick to make it to the finals out of out of the the East, even with even with the Nets making their trade and stuff. I like got, and um, I think that is going to be definitely a juggernaut match between both those teams. Um, the only reason I picked the Bucks is because. Uh, so the only reason I picked the Bucks is because Steve Nash is running a Mike D'Antoni system. And I, Come on now. I'm i the same way I talk about Doc Rivers, same way I talk about Mike D'Antoni. Like you like you guys don't make any adjustments. You just do whatever you do. Just more of it. Get smaller, get faster. That sort of thing. And <laughs> right. I think coaches that do stuff like that, they don't succeed. You know, and look, man, I'm going to be real honest. Um, if the Nets don't win a championship with Mike D'Antoni as, a, as an assistant, I need Mike D'Antoni excommunicated from the league because he's been doing this on every single team he's ever been on, and they don't do nothing. They keep getting bounced early, um, but I think it is very hard to pick a team that's just basically openly telling you like, you can take layups on us. You know, what I mean, like we're not like we we're not gonna have any weak side defender. And that don't get me wrong, like they're playing the Nets are playing Blake, and they're doing that because um, you know, like Boston. You know, is already depleted them, so they don't have Jalen Brown and stuff like that. Right. And I'm sure that they'll play DeAndre, and I'm sure that they'll play Claxton a little bit more and stuff like that um, if they play the Bucks. But it's just I can't. It is very hard to pick a team, and I absolutely agree. The Nets have a crazy shooting margin of their margin of error because they can shoot and they can fill. They can score so fast, allows it's like it's like Lakers defense. Lakers defense is so good that they can shoot like ass for a game and yep. and still have a chance of winning the game. The Nets cannot play defense but they shoot so well they can Mm -hmm. still win the game but my thing is that teams that eventually make it so that your shooting isn't so isn't so great because they have a decent defense themselves when they reduce that margin of error that you have from your shooting um and then on top of that you're just kind of opening up the lanes for them because there's nobody helping on the backside it's hard for me to pick that and so but i do think if they get past the bucks I feel pretty good about the net chances of beating, beating the Sixers because the Bucks are not an easy team like to, to beat uh, on the interior and stuff like that. So um, I think if they end up playing each other in the second round, that's probably going to be one of the best second-round series, period. Um, two, two heavyweights, that. I wouldn't say – I don't even think it's a short series. I could definitely see that series being like a seven-game series. Um, or if it's anything shorter than seven games, it'll be like close finishes where it'll be like every game will be like single digits, no blowouts
0: either way. Mm-hmm. And I mean, when it comes, if it gets down to that, it's it, Milwaukee should be nervous, right? If, if it's yeah. close late, I, it doesn't matter. They have three options that mm-hmm. can go and do it themselves, right? And mm-hmm. unfortunately, the Bucks' number one option is not as effective late yes. in games when it's, you know, there's an arch type of player for playoff winning time. Mm -hmm. Um, That's why folks talk about so much that it's it's kind of two different sports between the regular season and the postseason. Mm -hmm. Who's your ISO score? Which one of y'all can go get your basket when there's, you know, a minute left and all you're going to do is run a single high pick and roll? Not going to be all magic and smoke screens and curl screens and all types of great stuff when there is like 40 seconds left in the game.
1: Yeah. I mean, or, or, or what happens when everybody when when teams like like the Nets or, or the Bucks or the Lakers go, all right, you know, what? we're just going to switch everything. You're not right. getting no advantages. And we're going to put five guys that we know that can, that we're not worried about switching on to you. Who's going to score? How, how, how do you get that bucket? And so, hey, man, hey, if you're a Laker fan, you grew it's up watching Kobe problem. do this all the time. So <laughs> this is this is the basketball that we love to see. So, you know, I, I think it'll be a great matchup. I think the playoffs this year,
0: even Isn't more than last year, it's going to be great, man. I'm watching it and I love that it's every day. It reminded me again yeah. of the bubble last year, just as like, man, we got a lot of basketball yes. in a short amount of time after getting no sports for like months. Right. Yeah. I'm getting, I'm getting flashbacks of that. But as soon as we get out the first round, of course, and when these sweeps start happening, um, you know, the, <laughs> we'll have some off days, but this yeah. is beautiful to watch, man. The, you know, what else is actually beautiful to watch. I'm on the timeline and I saw a post by one of my good friends that welcomed a new addition to the family, man. (laughs) I'm noticing also you you got the the play area behind you. First of all, congratulations to you and your wife and your entire family on the new bundle of joy in the world. You are now tied as far as kids to adults in the household. Walk me through the shifts that have had to happen from having one child to having two now. Yeah, man. Uh, Fatherhood
1: is something that is... Uh, I I think it's a daily new experience Uh, one of the things I used to tell my I was the first first guy in my friend circle to to get to have a kid and I always tell everybody that like when when they were you know when my friends wives are pregnant I was like look the best thing you could do as a parent is just take everything one day there's only two things you gotta know take one day at a time and the second thing you gotta know is that none of this stuff goes on your permanent record like there's nobody you know like I feel like as parents we, we stress ourselves out But um, fatherhood, the first time around, I feel like I was real careful uh, with Mm -hmm. with my first daughter and everything that we were doing. And now with my second daughter, I'm a little more like lax. I'm not too crazy, not too worried um, because I I know how it goes and stuff like that. But um, there's this other thing that I've learned um, with a second child is that, you know, when you get married, when you're single, when you're a bachelor, 100% 100% of your time is whatever you wanted to do. percent. You want, you want to eat like garbage? Go ahead. You want to go out and party? You want to go out and drink? You want to watch movies. movie? You want to wake up at 1 o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday because you just feel like it, you can do it. Yep. Uh, but then when you get married, there's a little bit of accountability that happens with your spouse. Uh, and I like to say that you have to spend your time 50-50. 50% is your time. 50% is time to your marriage. Um, and obviously that changes for different relationships. Yeah, those were the days. 50-50, uh, yeah. 50-50 time. <laughs> and, then, and then when you have kids... Uh, the equation changes there's no more 50-50 with you and your wife it's like 100% for your child and then whatever time you can spare for yourself is, is what you know it, it is what it is but when you have a second kid
0: yeah
1: uh, they don't know what math is and they don't care about percentages and they don't care about none of that sort of stuff so each kid expects you to give them like 100% of your time mm-hmm. all the time and everything else is on the wayside time you spend you know personally with your spouse and all that sort of stuff And so for me, it's just like balancing all this sort of stuff is like, it's crazy. Ain't it
0: something, man? Ain't it something? I'm, I'm watching you do it. I'm First of all, you, you're doing it wonderfully, my brother. You are. <laughs> you are finding time. You're burning the midnight oil, hopping in spaces, informing the good folks on Twitter.com how we should be in, you know, approaching and looking and just digesting the basketball that we watch. So you're doing it perfectly there. My thing is because I got a little shorty. I'm trying to do my the the shows the sets yeah. right obviously I got to dedicate the time in the week to wifey we do our things go out to eat and whatnot my well one thing that is not going to budge though are these Lakers games and I just find it <laughs> hilarious are you the same way man like yes if it is something like big and I need to like I'm going to miss the game because we need to go to the doctor or so-and-so and such-and-such. So and such. But where, where are the Lakers now in your priority with, with two kids? Are they still still floating up to the top, or you just make room for them?
1: <laughs> no, nah, I'll tell you what. Yesterday night, I was watching the fourth quarter while feeding milk to my newborn in my arms, and I was watching my the man. stream on my computer. So my other daughter had already gone to sleep. Um, yep. We already put her to bed. Uh, she has, like, a schedule of what time she goes to sleep. So, you know, I, I find the time to do it. Um, but to be honest, like I try not to sacrifice any family time, uh, when it comes to it, my daughter likes watching Laker games with me. She'll start now. Like uh, she just started watching Laker games with me last year. And she, the only two players she knows who they are, are are Bron and, and AD, because that's all that media ever talks about half the time. But now she'll start asking me questions during time. She'll be like, I think Laker fans get a kick out of this. You know how Laker fans keep, they're like, bro, why does AD always keep falling down? Like my, my daughter's now started asking me, she's like, why did he fall down? What happened? And, And so like. So like involving them in it is is good, um, you know. I, I try to get them involved in it as much as they want to and stuff like that.
0: But was your wife a Lakers fan? Is your wife nah, a Lakers nah. fan? My, See, my okay.
1: No, nah, my wife's from my wife's from Atlanta. Um, so she's a Hawks fan. She went to Georgia Tech. Uh, okay, and you know, so she's she's a Hawks fan. So I, I treat the Hawks like I've been watching the games. I've been, uh, you know, Atlanta's like a second hometown now for me. Nice. In laws are all out there and stuff like that. So, um. You know, it's you just find a way to balance it, man. I, I I don't think I've sacrificed any Laker games, but I'll tell you what, I am very glad that I am a dad in the streaming era because I can go from the TV to my phone Dude, to my just mobile. Yep. And, and just keep you know like you know just keep it moving. My daughter's brushing her teeth, I'm watching her brush her teeth, do it correctly. On my like, other hand, I got my phone in my yep. hand. I'm like, all right, like, Braun made his free throws. All right, that's cool. Okay, now now you got to go do your mouthwash, and then so you know, I'm just glad that it's like that, and I think we're as parents in a very unique place where we got to balance all this stuff out. And then mm-hmm. you know, your fandom and all that sort of stuff and being on Twitter and stuff like that. But, uh, you ever,
0: he- uh, you ever catch yourself on your, your phone V like, I know there's plenty of times where I'm on my phone and like my, you know, my son, He's it's not time for him to like have electronics yeah. and like yeah. he's looking at me like, bro, are you going to share? What are you doing? I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I probably shouldn't be on this, too. Like it's, it's a balance for sure, though, man, because as I agree with you. There's no other time, better time to be a sports fan than right now. I have five screens in here I can have five games on right now and I'm just in the office you know what I mean like there's not a game I have to miss if I have my cell phone the thing that I am noticing though is guess who's watching me every second of the day little man and I got um I'm working on it I am self-admittedly working on the the balancing of here's your tablet my man yep and put on lingo kids yep you want to watch some daniel <laughs> tiger some more dinosaur train What what's your mood today i'll put you on a minions movie you good to go daddy about to get some tweets <laughs> off real quick i i need to i need to balance that a little bit more man so
1: it's, it is it is a tough it's a luxury it, you know they say it's like a first world problem or whatever but it's just like it's a luxury that we have as parents but um it does take balancing, man. These uh, Our kids are going to learn from, not learn from us, but like they'll learn their fandom from us too. Like I've had last year, bro, last year we had, I had so many games where I like, you know, the games are at seven o'clock uh, on the West coast. Right. And I'm eating dinner. Like me and my, me and my daughter are watching the game together. Like as we're eating dinner and stuff, like I at the dinner. I put it up on my phone or something. And now every day she asks me when I pick her up, she'll be like, Oh, is there a liquor game today? Is there a liquor game today? Hey. So it's like, it's, it's a bond building thing. You know, you got to find to, ways to do it with your kids. But, um, Fatherhood's been good, man. Um, uh, uh, in, in Indian culture, when you have daughters, um, it, it represents wealth. It represents wealth coming into your home because daughters are like wealth. And mm-hmm. so um, it's, it's called Lakshmi, uh, which is a goddess in, in Indian culture. And so it's every time a daughter is born into a household, you're expected to be filled with riches, whether it's, you know, financial or spiritual or emotional or mm-hmm. whatever it may be. So I'm, I'm blessed. I've got two daughters um they're they're very much laker fans Girl, um, i'm always self. happy to share it with you know the, the timeline and stuff like that i thought it was some just good news to share because everybody's just arguing all the time on, on twitter but uh <laughs>
0: hey my wife had a daughter in case y'all <laughs> want to just pause from yeah. going but, at it
1: but it's good man i can't wait i can't wait i hope the lakers win again and i hope we get a parade and i can bring my whole family out and, and i can party with everybody uh, be
0: and, and celebrate bro. another championship Absolutely, man. Well, V, I appreciate you coming on the first episode of And Now A Word from our sponsors. This is going to be chopped up all over the place. YouTube, uh, Instagram. I'm trying to trying to use a couple of different outlets. So we'll see. Obviously, I'll make it on to that bird app, twitter.com. But <laughs> I appreciate you hopping on, man. Go in and get your next coffee together, man. The spaces, yeah. them late night spaces, they're going to they be the death for you. you're gonna wake up one day and still be in a spaces group and be like oh i should probably exit this
1: (laughs) they've been listening to me snore the whole time for real no i i I appreciate i appreciate you ricky uh i'm very excited for your show i'm very honored to be the first person that's on your show um i I hope laker fans clipper fans bucks fans basketball fans parents whoever you are i I hope y'all enjoyed it um you're a wonderful person and and you do a great job um you no, know, just chopping it up man having real conversations about who that's what and, and that's, that's what the best to do. About
0: it. yeah absolutely bro I all right it. b i'm gonna let you i'm gonna let you get out of here i gotta go actually i gotta go pick up little man from daycare right now so right, we're gonna make it happen i'll see you on the timeline, on brother i'll see you on the
1: timeline. take it easy peace